felt like God had put on my heart to do a message on um, uh, specifically, and, and it was kind of confirmed because um, it would have been on my heart was like the joy of serving and I actually titled the message serving gains for those of you who like working out you know what that means um, but uh, and then I was like well I don't know should I do it and then while we were at camp uh, Calvary Fallbrook had they and they call their church servants church and one of the guys had a shirt on and it had the quote uh, of Mark 10 that I'm, we're going to be kind of starting off with today I was like oh that's cool and then later on in the week I saw something and it was like Anyways, I was stoked on it. I'm like, all right, Lord, let's do it. Let's go for it. So uh, we're going to be looking at uh, what it means to serve. And I thought, what a great time to talk about serving when Kevin, on Kevin's last week. I mean, that, you guys know Kevin has been a servant. I'm not, I'm not going to get too deep into it so he can keep his rewards. But uh, uh, yeah, so he's a great example of a self selfless servant and has just been so blessed and a blessing. So uh, we're going to talk about Three things we're going to talk about Jesus as he models service and expects his disciples to follow. Uh, We're going to talk about how you were given gifts uniquely for service that blesses you and those you serve. And then um, that serving is for God and it glorifies God. So those are kind of the three things we'll be looking at. Um, But let's start by reading Mark chapter 10, verse 35. You guys would stand up. We'll read it together. Sweet. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Okay, that's awesome, right? And he said to them, What do you want me me to do for you? They said to him, Grant us that we may sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? They said to him, We are able so Jesus said to him, "You indeed drink the cup that I will drink the cup that I drink, and the bat, with the baptism uh, I am baptized, I baptized with you will be baptized." Whoa, okay. And with the baptism I am baptized with you will be baptized. Uh, but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but is for those whom it is prepared. Uh, and when the ten heard it. They began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself and said to him, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Let's pray. Lord, thank you uh, for this time. We pray that you'd speak to us by your spirit, that you'd touch our hearts, Lord, and and, um, confront our lives where they need to be confronted, Uh, that you'd give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and and soft hearts that are receptive to you. God, we we thank you, Lord, for your example and just for the truth and the joy that's found in, in honoring you with our lives and serving you. So we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys may be seated. We've got an interesting story here, right? The disciples um, still not given the Holy Spirit. You know, this is kind of the pre-phase, and they're, they're coming up with all these crazy ideas. So they tell us, will you do something for us? And Jesus is like, what do you want me to do for you? And he's, they're like, can you save us, like, the very best spots, like, to sit at your right hand and, and, and at your left? And I'm sure they even had an internal fight on who's going to get right and left, like, 
rock, paper, scissors. Like we always play like capture the flag and it's rock, paper, scissors who gets the first pick. But so they have, he says this and he's like, you guys don't even know what you're talking about. He's like, do you think you can be, you know, baptized with the same cup I'm baptized? Are you going to deal with the stuff I've dealt with? Of course, what he's talking about is, is Jesus is, is talking about suffering. He's talking about persecution. All the stuff that he's going to have to go through. And they're like, yeah, sure. And he's like, yeah, you will, but you don't even know what you're talking about right now. You have no clue what's coming for you. Not, no, no clue at all. Uh, but it will be, they'll be sanctified and they'll, be, um, they'll grow through, of course, this kind of um, persecution and pain and struggle and suffering, right? And so Jesus says to him, uh, then he the 10 are obviously annoyed, right? Because if you have like two people who are like, hey, Jesus, can we sit at the right and the left? And the other 10 disciples are like, what in the world are you doing? Like, you know, you ever have your friends do that to you or something or a sibling? I, it was always the front seat. I get the front seat, you know? I'll go front seat. I got front seat. I called it, you know, back in the day. When kids could, they could be sitting in the front seat without being 150 pounds now. They have to be, have to have facial hair if they're a male, you know? Back in the day, it was just like, yeah, seatbelt, maybe, I don't know, whatever. Uh, just hold on, exactly, just hold on. Um, we used to, even in high school, in our friends' cars, be like, all right, I got shotgun. And we would say, all right, you want to go bodies for shoddy, which meant body punching each other until someone said, all right, fine, you get it. And, you know, was it worth it? I don't know, you know, probably. Uh, but they were annoyed, obviously, at what he said. And so then Jesus pulls him to the side, and he says, guys, let me tell you something. You're, you're, start, you're trying to view this, this leadership structure as something different than it is. You're still viewing it with the world's mindset. You're seeing it through the world kingdom eyes. And I need you to start seeing it a little bit different, okay? The way that you're great in this kingdom is that you choose to serve people. You choose to go and serve people. And he says, and I'm telling, that's why I came. I didn't come to be served, but to serve of course, it wasn't just lip service for Jesus, right? Jesus models this. He models his service, and, and, and then he expects his disciples to follow in it, right? John 13, we have this epic picture. Uh, it's the Passover. Jesus is about to die on the cross. And what's he doing? He says, come here, guys. I'm going to wash your feet. Grabs his disciples, and he says, I'm going to wash his feet. This is the job of the servant. This is not the job of the Messiah. This is not the job of the, you know, the, the king. What are you doing? And, and even Peter contests. He's like, why are you washing my feet? He's like, you can't wash my feet. And Jesus is like, if you don't let me wash, wash your feet, you, can have no part, you have no part of this. And then Peter's like, then wash all of me. And Jesus is like, no, just your feet, Pete. Like, chill, man. You're like, you're good. Let me just wash your feet, and I'll just take care of you in, th in this way. So Jesus models this service, right? His whole life was about serving. I mean, you, you see multiple times he defers his first plan for people. I love that. When you're reading through the Gospels, this, you see, this is, this is what's so interesting. No one's seen God at any time, but you've, you've seen Jesus, you've seen God, right? So the, the Father, you can't see, right? But when you see Jesus, so if you want to know what God's like, read the Gospels. Look at the life of Jesus. And as you're looking at the life of Jesus, it is incredible that this is the guy who wants our hearts. It's just amazing. Because you see Jesus, and he'll be wanting to do his thing and get rest. I need to go. We got guys, we'll go. Let's go get some rest. And then he sees these people, and they're hurting, and they're asking questions, and they don't know what to do. And he sees them as, as sheep without a shepherd. And he's like, hey, guys, let's talk. 
we see him heal people and, and, and set people free from demonic oppression and uh, from illness and all kinds of stuff. Things that are plaguing their lives. Social structure issues. Jesus brought all of that to light. I love, if you look at the gospel, I mean, it is so insanely uh, ahead of its time. Right? As far as the way that they treated, that Jesus treated women. He treated them with great esteem. We have some of the very best examples of the faith in Mary. Right? You look at the life of Mary and it's just like this amazing picture of grace. And this amazing picture of this woman who chose to sit at Jesus' feet. Sister Martha wants to work, work, work. Right? So we're going to get into that. There's a little part there where uh, service is not just about work. It's about an outflow of sitting at Jesus' feet. Because if we're going to be Jesus' disciples, it means we're followers of him. So we would naturally start looking like him. Right? Done multiple mission trips overseas. And, and I, it's funny. I'm the type of person that will pick up an accent within a week. And it's just so weird. And it's, it's like a, a little embarrassing, to be honest. Okay? We were in Albania, and all of a sudden, I can't speak right English. Like, I can't. Why do you have, why are you saying it like that? Well, it's just because I've been in Albania for a week and no one's speaking very good English to me. And so I end up, you know, with a little bit of an accent. But you start to reflect that which you surround yourself with and what you, you around. So uh, one of the best things you can do, I and mean, this is the, one of the very best things, and I learned this in ministry and I've been taught this and I, I tell this to people who say, I want to get involved in ministry. I said, find a person that you want to disciple you. And find a person you want to be like and have them disciple you, basically. Finding someone who's, who's sold out for the Lord and, and let them speak into your life because that they're going to give you some influence. But greater than that is spending time with the Lord directly, right? And, and someone who's discipling you well will be modeling that. Follow me as I follow Christ. Those are the words of Paul. So Jesus models service and then he expects his disciples to follow it. He says, you want to be great in this kingdom? Serve. I mean, we are dealing with the, the kingdom's view of leadership in a grand scale right now. How, how far off are the leaders to the people? I mean, this is crazy, right? Like the idea of, of serving, it's like so far beyond. It's like only self-serving. But when someone stands up and, and, and gets in the mix and decides to, to choose to love, and to serve, I mean, it makes a huge difference. You know, a couple weeks ago we talked about um, the theology of work. Uh, we're I image bearers, right? So God created humanity and he made them in his own image. Male and female both bring out part of the image of God. Imago Dei, right? So the image of God is, is, is made in creation and of course it's somewhat tarnished at the fall. But in Christ, it's renewed. It's, it's given back. We've given back our ability to look like God and act like God and represent him through the power of the Holy Spirit. So everywhere we go, we bring the kingdom with us. So everywhere that we go, we make an impact. But the way that the kingdom is brought is, yet again, not building yourself up to be on this high pedestal so that everybody can serve you and worship you. No, no, it's to serve so it's like the more you, the further you go, the more you serve. Jesus modeled that completely. His whole life was service to the Father and to those who came to him. That's it, right? But it wasn't like a weird thing where it's like, oh, I got to do everything everyone asks of me. That's not, that's not it. 
That's not it. It's, it's not doing every single thing for every single person. It's doing what God calls you to do when he calls you to do it. That's the difference, right? So Jesus, again, he models this. He shows it to us, and uh, it's something for us to follow. Um, second, we were given gifts uniquely for service that blesses you and those you serve. Each person was given unique and specific gifting. You were made with a purpose. You were made for a reason. With the DNA, with the makeup, with all that, you know, you could do the whole, if you want, I know a lot of people do the Enneagram numbers or whatever, I don't know. Whatever it is, you were made with a specific purpose for a good reason. Romans 12 Verses 1 and 2. The 12, 1 and 2 are actually the verses of camp. We'll go a little further, actually go to verse 8. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, probably one of the most popular verses in the Bible. Uh, By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, I beseech you, therefore, the reason that therefore is there is because if you look back at the, the first part of Romans, It is like an indictment against us and then God's rich grace. Therefore, with all of this in mind, by the mercies, it's only by the mercies of God, you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, right? So before Jesus came, it was all about the sacrifices. It would be a living sacrifice and they'd be killed and the blood would be shed and that was like the remission of sins. It was ugly. It was a a mess, and, and it was showing just how messed up the world had become. That this is like the solution to all the pain and the struggle that there had to be sacrifice that was made. Now in Christ, he being the perfect sacrifice, took care of all of that. So now we get to live on as living sacrifices. Where our lives are constantly these living sacrifices um, that we would be giving holy and acceptable to God. It's our reasonable service. So we're to not be conformed to this world, the world's ways. And by the way, you're being discipled by the world all the time, right? If you, if you, if like this is all you get, like with the Lord, it's like, um, whatever, 40, it's usually 42 minutes of speaking on a Sunday. Then, then, and then you get like, I don't know, what are the, what are the hours of the rest of the week? I mean, so it's crazy uh, how different it is. And that's the thing we think about with our kids. It's like, man, they're being disciples. So are you. And that's why we got to be really thoughtful about what we take in. Uh, so we do, we're not conformed to this world because it's natural to conform, to be like what you're around. The name of the camp was atypical. And it's cool. I love it. It's like punk rock. These kids are like coming home and they're like, I want to be different to the world. I'm like, yeah, I like that. I got that before I got Christ. I didn't want to be like everybody else. I didn't want to be just like everybody else. But I, did, I, 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 had the, I understood the problem. I didn't understand the solution. It's like, I, I don't want to be like everybody else. I don't want to be like the world. I don't want to even be like people I've seen at church. I, I, I want to look way different than any of that. And then confronted with the person of Jesus, it's like I could be no more uniquely synced with the, the identity that I'm supposed to have with the calling and the gifting than in Christ. There's just no other way. He created you for this purpose 
and specifically for these different veins and avenues in which he's going to lay before you. Do you choose to go down? That's the question into them. Verse 3 says, this is the part where people like, where we usually don't have, um, we, we stop reading at 2. <laughs> for I say, uh, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Uh, for as, pause real quick. This is really important. <laughs> that we don't think of ourselves too highly uh, and, or to think, think of yourself soberly. I am constantly missing part of the puzzle, right? Even in Christ, like I know him, I understand the big picture, but it's so often you can't see the thing in front of your face. I, I, I like to use the example of, uh, did you know your house has a smell? It does. I'm not talking to anyone specifically to hurt your feelings or anything, you know. It can be a good smell, and it can be a bad smell, but chances are you don't even know it exists. You do not know it. But as soon as you walk into someone else's house, you know it. You know that's the smell of their house, right? And so the only way to actually have someone tell you what the smell of your house is someone to say, hey, your, your house kind of smells like this, which be careful, you know. But it's, it's a blind spot. We get so used to it. It's like our lives. We get so used to being around ourselves. You know, like I, I'm so used to my own issues, my own shortcomings. Um, and even last night, Tori's like, hey, do you know you do this in your message? And she's like, I really like your messages. And I like, you're my favorite teacher. But did you know, and I've been doing it, did you know you hit this a lot? And she says, on the podcast, it's really loud. I've been hitting it the whole time. What am I doing? I just hit it. That's for you. Okay, anyway. Um, and she's like, do you know you did? So she was like bringing a few things up to me. And I'm like, yeah, that is. And it's like, these are all loving things. And I'm still so offended for a second. I'm just like, just for a second, I'm like, and I'm telling myself, you shouldn't be offended. This is not a big deal. Stop. And I'm just like, I'm getting angry. And I love you, but I'm mad. Why did you say these things? So they're true. And I couldn't see them for myself. You guys are like, I've been seeing it the whole time. Good for you. I've been seeing things too. Um, but uh, I'm just kidding. Okay, that's not the point. But the idea is this, guys. Listen. Is you need people in your life to be able to tell you the truth. But we also need to come into our, our life and we go, man, I do not have it all together. Right? And, and I think this has gotten worse with social media because people affirm you no matter if they should or shouldn't. Like, oh, that's a great idea. It's a terrible idea. It's like people just want to say nice things. That is not a good idea, you know? So it's like, why are you doing that? You know, don't do that. You're better than this. Anyway, we need people to talk to us, and we need to look at ourselves soberly, right? Okay, so that's the point. Um, and God has given to each one a measure of faith for what he's going to call you to do. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. So we, Jesus loves to use this. Paul, I mean, Paul loves to use this. I'm sorry, Paul uses it mostly. He loves to use this example of the church being a body and Christ being the head. Christ is in charge. He's the one that's leading us and he's guiding us. He's doing all the hard work right? 
Like my body, I'm down. I can do whatever. I'm like, I'll just do it. Sometimes I'm like, when my head is hurting, I got to just move chairs. My body's like, cool, we can move chairs. We can do this all day long, you know? But your mind, oh, Jesus is the head. He's taking care of it, right? And we took on the mind of Christ, and we trust him, and we believe him, and we're obedient to him. But we are working members, different parts of the body that all work together. So if one part's hurting, it hurts the whole body. So not only are we members of Christ, I think we understand that generally, but a lot of times we forget that we're members of one another. And that's where things start to fall flat, right? So we don't have the same function. We're not given the same grace even to do these certain things. Uh, we are made to fulfill our purpose. But this is where things fall, get sideways. When you're not serving in your unique gifting for the glory of God, everyone feels the pain. You know, it said that usually uh, in a church setting, and, and by the way, serving is not just at church. This is not like a, let's fill up uh, the children's ministry, although that's helpful, you know, people helping. There's, but but it's, it's been said that 90% of the work is done by 10% of the people. They come in, they serve, they work hard, and everybody goes, wow, there must be a lot of people serving here. It's like, no, there's like 10%, and they're working so hard. <laughs> And it'd be really easy if we all did it. Of course, I mean, it's not a perfect world. Just like uh, one day I wrote down, everyone I think would call our church home. I'm like, wow, that'd be amazing. It's never going to happen. They're never all going to be here. <laughs> but it's like, wow, could you imagine? But it's like something about that. Like, that is such a fun group of people, you know? And it was a prayer list. It's not like I'm just numbering you and giving you a social credit score or something like that. Uh, too much? Sorry. Um, but the idea is we've been given different gifts according to the grace given to us. So, so you use them, and he gives some specific gifts. If prof prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. If, or ministry, let us use it in ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Uh, these are specific gifts that are given. Prophecy. This one's a trip. You know, you're like, we still do that? Uh, I've had people speak into my life, and it's been confirmed by other people speaking in my life. I love when people have the gift of word of knowledge or prophecy. It's amazing when it's under God's giving. I've shared it before. The reason I'm here at Calvary Carlsbad is because of a word from someone confirms from someone else who do not know each other the same exact thing and did not know the story. Crazy. Anyway, that's why I'm here. Um, uh, so I love seeing that in actions. Great. In proportion to your faith, use it as much as God wants you to. No more, no less, right? Ministry, ministering to those around us. Finding Some people have a natural ability at meeting people where they're at in day-to-day -day ministry. Some people have that. They're just great at that. They're really practical and they get that, right? Uh, he who teaches in teaching. If you have the gift of teaching, you, you try to give that out and use it well. Craft it. Use it well. thing is about our gifts is that God uses not just like, uh, here's a gift. I got to like go into a weird spot in the zone and all right, now the Lord will use it. No, he uses your experiences, past and present, to use you in ministry. So first of all, if you have baggage and you've had some rough stuff going on, God will, can absolutely use that to your benefit and to those around you. I always found myself around like roughneck kids that didn't really feel like they belonged in church because I kind of felt like that. And so they were like, I could probably talk to you. And they plus they liked our bands back in the day. 
So you're like, okay, come on. And I was like, man, I always got these wild kids who are always telling me crazy stuff. I loved it, though. It's like, these are my people, you know? And, and there's something where they feel safer around you than someone who's, like, grown up and the whole time and everything looked perfect, right? But then there's other people who have other gifts. I love seeing that. My friend Brandon, he loved board games. And he was really smart. So he had this whole crew of youth kids around him. They'd play Risk all night. I'm like, okay, you know, no thank you. But they loved it. It was so cool. And, and he was such a blessing to them. God gives us each unique gifts for a unique purpose. And it's also important that we take, take heed of these gifts and practice our craft. The Bible is full of people who worked really, really, really hard at what they did. I believe that. I believe even like the writing of scripture given by God, uh, spoken through, through brilliant writers. I think that there's like, they were also brilliant writers. I think God used their natural ability. Think about Paul. Paul had this brilliant mind. He's outside of Christ. He understood Judaism. He'd worked so hard in that, and God uses it like crazy for him to minister to those around him. So God has naturally gifted you. Work hard at that gifting and then apply it to life. Uh, he talks about teaching, exhortation. That's encouraging, building each other up. We need you. If you do that naturally, and I know some of you do, please do it. We all need help and encouragement. We all feel like failures a little bit, right? He who gives with liberality. People are generous. That is so amazing. Like, it's just something about being around people who are generous. It's just like, you can feel like the heart of God in all of these things. Like, man, he who leads with diligence, good leaders. You, follow, you want to follow a good leader. You don't want to follow a bad leader, right? He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Man, we need these things active and present. These are different parts. I hit the thing again. These are active and present in the body. Thank you. I'm Okay. You're going to have to fight my wife on that. Okay. Um, but uh, maybe I do it light. Or, okay. Anyway. But one of the things, it's interesting. This week I was, I was reading through and I saw uh, one, of, uh, one of the guys I follow on social media. He was talking about the, the different stages of faith. And the first stage is coming to, and this is a really important stage, right? The life-changing awareness of God. Your life-changing awareness like, um... God is here. He is real. He is speaking to me. He's calling me. And I can't deny it anymore. That's important. Transformation that comes from that. And that is important. Being born again. New life. This awakens you. Right? Because you might have uh, desires that you could even say are good desires. I think the world actually has uh, desires you could call good desires. The idea of justice is very much God's idea. But when it's applied in a secular setting, it doesn't work so well, right? Justice and righteousness, that's the Abrahamic, right, uh, Abrahamic righteousness, part of the covenant. Like God set that up from the very beginning. And it's his indictment against the children of Israel in the prophets. So God sets us up with that. But it's important first and foremost, we are transformed by the renewal, being made new, our whole lives changed in the goodness of God. And let all of our ambitions and desires be changed through that. Right? The second one is discipleship. We, we like discipleship or learning. Right? That's what is here. Usually this is where people stop. A lot of people. I got changed and I started learning. 
The third step in stages of faith is active life in serving. So if you haven't gone from discipleship to serving, you're missing out big time. I got saved when I was like 18, and then it really took a couple years later after I did some stupid stuff. <laughs> and then I, I, that was like, I was like, change, right? And for a while, I'd just go to church, and then, I, you know, I don't, do I really need to go to church? And nowadays, we got podcasts. I could hear like way better teacher than that, you know, on podcasts. But then I felt called to start helping, and someone said, hey, come help out with the youth. I'm like, I don't want to do the youth. Next thing I know, I'm doing youth for like the next like 15 years of my life. But as soon as I started serving, God started transforming my life greatly. Because yeah, it was opportunities, and I'm in the prayer room, and I've told the story before, and the kids are coming up to me, and they're like, will you pray for me? I, I do not know how to pray for you. But I'm here, and so I'm like, God, I better learn uh, more about what the Bible says, because kids are asking me questions. And then all of a sudden, I'm like falling in love with the Lord, and next thing you know, you're, it's just amazing. Serving is a big step in faith, Right? So if you're not serving, you are stifled in growth. And then it goes past that. It goes like deep transformational, like deep past. God wants to renew all of that. And then, and then through health, use us to minister more. I mean, it's a deep, deep process, right? And then the ultimate goal is that we are operating and walking in the love of God. That's amazing. But serving is a major aspect of discipleship. Right? Philippians 2, 1 through 4. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through, through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for for the interests of others. Tell me, what, what does that do to a community? When you have people doing that, it changes everything, right? And I think it's the cure to a lot of what we see around us. My friend sent me a video of, um, it's, this is a wild story, Jordan Peterson preaching the gospel to Joe Rogan. What? You know, and I was like, this is interesting. And I was like, okay, I'm going to hear what he has to say. And he's talking about the, the snakes in Exodus and, you know, the, where they're all biting. And, and then God tells Moses to make the bronze serpent up on the stick. And, and, and he had this quote that I loved. He said, bravery is better than safety, and it's a more reliable cure for terror. It's more sustainable. Like, the idea is, like, if you're running for safety and you're looking for safety, you will never find it. But bravery changes things. And I think the reason I bring that up because I thought it was a good point. He says, it's, what he had said is, it's, it is proven, it's like doctrine in psychology is what he had said. I think it's proven by scripture. And the idea is when things get bad or when things look gnarly, our idea is we got to get out of here. When God's saying, you've got to engage in the world around you. It's time to be brave in Christ and serve even more. Because if you're trying to run and find your safety, you will not find it. As a matter of fact, the more times you run, the worse it gets. It gets uglier and gnarlier and rougher. But if you serve where God tells you to, you will find an unbelievable amount of peace and bravery that does not come from you 
It's not like, oh, I just got to be brave, but it's just the reality of it. You know, he used the reference of you, you stare at the thing that's killing you and it changes everything, right? And that's, that's, that's true. We deal with the reality of where we're at, not what we want it to be. We, our feet are on the ground and we're dealing with real things. Okay, Colossians, uh, or, and then it says, the last one, serving is for God and it glorifies God. This is important. Colossians 3, 22 through 24 says, Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye services, men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Here's the thing, guys. We serve not for others. Because if you serve for others, you're going to run out of steam. You're going to be frustrated. We serve because it's unto the Lord, right? People can see through when it's not real. You know, I saw a video of a certain governor, like, throwing, like, going out and cleaning up the trash, you know. I'm not saying which governor it is. It's a governor in this, in this country. But, and I'm not saying, we all do this, right? It could be any governor of any political affiliation. There's hypocrites everywhere. God, okay. But, and it was like, I'm throwing this. And somebody had made it a clip, and it was like Zoolander, you know, when he's like hitting the coal with his like designer's, you know, tank top on. And it's like, we just see through this. Because we know it's only for the clip. So that's one thing. And we should expect that in the world. So, you know, that's what you expect. Because you're literally just doing it to serve men. That's it. But in the church, it's different. We serve God. And so when we serve, it's not for other people. So when other people don't meet your expectations, go, oh, yeah, that obviously, duh. They wouldn't because it's not for them. So that, that's the hard thing. It's like when you serve for people to tell you how good you are at serving, you're going to be disappointed. You know? I've offended people before on accident. <laughs> I thought you'd like, or you're like, oh, I didn't know. I'm sorry. You do it unto the Lord. You know, it's all unto the Lord. So, you know, not as men pleasers. If you're trying to do it, serving as a men pleaser, or if you're trying to serve because I think this is just something I'm supposed to do. There's a certain point where, yeah, you just do it because you're supposed to do it. And then you go, oh, wow, that was better than I thought. But if you keep doing it because you're like, I just want to look good at church and do the right thing. No, that, don't do that. It's out of a, a pure heart before God. I want to serve. I want to do what God's called me to do for his glory, for his purpose, obeying his call. It's all about him. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He was our master. He, he served. He showed us right from the start. So again, our serving gains. Jesus models service and expects his disciples to follow in his example. He started it. He showed us. And we, we, as disciples, are followers of Christ, Christians, Christ followers, we do the same. Uh, we were given gifts uniquely for service that blesses you and those you serve. It will be a benefit to you, and it will be a benefit to everyone around you. This is win-win, okay? It's amazing. Three, serving is for God, and it glorifies God. It is not for ourselves. It is for him and for his glory. So he gets the praise, and when, he, when, when we do it, it glorifies God. So our service doesn't give us brownie points with people. We direct it right back to God. Look, this is the Lord working inside of me. Because can I tell you, I would not have been serving in this way a couple years ago. So we remember that. 
And, and so I, I, the reason I said is that sometimes you're like, man, this is, this is something that's so easy to forget, especially because we live in such a uh, individualistic, selfish, uh, self-centered culture. So we have to fight against the discipleship of our culture and go, yeah, man, we need to serve. And I'm like, I'm, I'm hit on it as I'm researching it, you know. I'm like, man, God, you're studying and meditating on the word. Yeah, we, we belong here now around us. Especially if, you, if you've got influence, God has called you to be a servant to that community, okay? We're going to have communion. Um, so communion is a time where, where we have the bread and the cup. And for believers, it's really for believers. Um, and to be, you know, obviously be a believer, you call and trust on the Lord and say, I, I, I need, your, your, uh, I need your, your life. I need to be made new. Um, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm lost without you. I need to be born again in Christ. And as we do that, we take this and we remember what he suffered on the cross, that the sacrifice that was made for us, the, the body represented in the bread. This is my body. Take, eat, or do this in remembrance of me. The, the cup, it's, this, is, this is my blood, right? That was poured out for your sins. The sacrifice. And so we remember that. We'll have a song for communion. And, and then afterwards, um, we'll have another song. We'll close in like in a song. And then we're going to have Kevin come in. And even the, like it's the kids are going to come in too because they love Kevin. And we're all going to pray for him, okay? And then we're going to eat some donuts, all right, um, but Lord, we just, um, we thank you so much for your grace in our life.